From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room, with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Are you allowed to go to your cabin in the woods these days? Not sure. Hiya to all of those tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. How do and how do to those of you uh, streaming us live on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, uh, and those of you gathered in the YouTube live chat. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines for the entire hour. And um, also, I will be taking uh, questions from and comments from the YouTube live chat. And uh, Ryan, my live stream producer, will relay those to me, and then I'll read those out over the air. Uh, perhaps you, you'd like to discuss the protests, the very peaceful and orderly uh, protests here in Toronto, I must say, this past weekend. Thank God. Uh, nobody got hurt. No businesses were ruined. Very harmonious. I'd have to say congratulations to everyone involved, both the uh, the demonstrators and the police. That's the way it's done. Uh, some important messages that needed to be sent were sent. Hopefully they were received. I'm sure they were. Now the hard work begins. Uh, tensions uh, seem to be easing significantly in the United States. I see where President Trump has given the order for the National Guard to begin withdrawing from Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, the mayors of a number of U.S. cities have uh, announced plans to begin defunding their police departments or even in some cases dismantling their police departments. Uh, That, for example, is what's been announced in Minneapolis, where, of course, this unrest unrest began with uh, the death of George Floyd back on May 25th. Hard to believe, nearly two weeks ago. Uh, if you would like to talk about that, I I, uh, I ask that you be civil and sensitive and responsible. That's not asking a lot. And if you don't know how to do that or you're not prepared to do that, then it's quite simple. Uh, don't call. If you'd like to talk about this interminable COVID-19 lockdown, I'm certainly game. At this point, can we all agree there is little justification for continuing the quarantine how can how can our political leaders our public health officials possibly expect the public to take them seriously at this point in what world is it okay for thousands of people to flood the streets in protest or in the united states as we witnessed a week ago, to riot and loot, and yes, peacefully protest, and yet, or to take a knee as a symbol, uh, yet I can't kneel in church. It's okay for the prime minister to defy his own government's orders. It's okay for him to wade out into the public defy social distancing rules while he's telling us the rest of us can't do that 
We can't run our businesses. We can't return to normal. I guess it shouldn't surprise me that he says one thing and does another. He does that all the time, doesn't he? It's okay to kneel with thousands of people in the street, but I can't attend a church service and kneel um, in the United States. It's okay to smash into a building and steal a Louis Vuitton handbag or a television, but you can't sell them. You can't open your stores and sell them. It just, on the face of it, it's absolutely absurd. It just descends into a Monty Python sketch. Now, I'm not suggesting that people defy the orders from public health and our governments. I'm simply saying that any credibility, they being political leaders, public health officials, has gone out the door. Can we not all agree it's time to move on? Uh, I'm going to, uh, let's see, I'm going to go to our our YouTube channel, our YouTube chat, first of all, and uh, our good friend Thinker, who joins us every week. Hello, Thinker, and thank you. He asks, I'd like to know what I think about all the earthquakes and volcanoes going off and the meteor showers. 400 meteors uh, hit the earth on Thursday. Um, Well, I, what do I think about it? I suppose on the one hand, you could say, wow, it's biblical. But I, I don't know, isn't it? Is it? There is a lot of volcanic activity. Um, there's a lot of undersea volcanic activity. There's a lot of undersea uh, volcanic activity in the Antarctic, uh, which certainly explains melting ice and so forth. Are there more earthquakes than, or- than normal? I don't know. We often hear about, for example, all this extreme weather that we're having. Uh, But as it turns out, if you look at it historically, we're not. We're not. It's right in line with what has gone on. Um, You know, hotter temperatures actually in the 1930s were much hotter than it has been here today, these days. So I don't know that we're getting more earthquakes. I could be wrong about that. Um, And I suppose if you are thinking that you could be, uh, it's understandable that you're thinking this is all somewhat prophetic. (laughs) Just look around what's going on these days. It all seems very biblical, doesn't it? Very prophetic. Thinker, thank you for that. Melanie joins us once again from Toronto. Hello, Melanie. Hello, Richard. Hi. You want to talk about what we were talking about in hour one, I understand. Yes, yes. with Ali. Too bad he, he left uh, the show. Uh, yes, I want to touch on the subject of hybridization and how that relates to Yeshua or Jesus or Isa. Um, okay. Because he was, uh, in, you know, I mean, the Blessed Mary, right? She was inseminated by Gabriel. Yeah. So well, no, she was not not by Gabriel. She wasn't inseminated no, by no, Gabriel. No, no, he came and he told he her. He announced it. Yes, that's correct. right. And then uh, Blessed Mary was became pregnant um, yes. without having any relationship with uh, Joseph. Right. So he was a hybrid. Well, I, I suppose technically that's correct. His mother right. was fully human, and his his father is divine. Yes. yes. And, he, and then all those, um, you know, miracles that he did, right? right? That only only those people who who are who are mixed, the seed was mixed, was able to do. Right. Right. But what about 
um, uh, Melanie, what about the modern day UFO phenomenon? Do you think that what we are witnessing is incursions from the angelic realm or do you yes. think they're extraterrestrial? Both. I think they're both the same because I've, I've um, seen them. Okay. You've seen, you've seen a UFO. Well, not just UFOs, the, the angels, ETs, whatever you want to call it, aliens. And I, well, whatever I want to call it, what do you call them? What do you think they are? Are they, are they aliens or are they angels? Both. They're what both. What we call aliens, uh, in my view, what I understand, um, that it, it's actually the angels. They're both. Well, but aliens means, as an extraterrestrial, means that they are from another planet Yes. within you know, within the, the, the known universe, whereas an angel, they don't come from other planets. They, they come from an angelic realm, right? Another dimension. So they're, they're really apples and oranges. Not really, no. The universe uh, is within a universe within a universe, and, and we don't understand it. I don't think we ever understand that, what is visible and what is not visible. But but everything leads to one point, which is the ancient one of everything. And how can you understand that? You see? How can I? Okay. Melanie, I thank you for your call. Uh, to me, um, um, I, I, I do see them as separate. I see extraterrestrials as, as coming from, obviously, another planet. They're another civilization. They would be, I suppose part of God's creation, uh, except that an incursion from another planet doesn't make sense to me from a biblical perspective. Perhaps it does to you, Melanie, and uh, I just, I simply don't understand that. Uh, but if we're talking about the angelic realm, to me, that's interdimensional. Maybe I'm putting too fine a point on it. I don't know. But I think there's a big difference between an interdimensional and an extraterrestrial uh, but thank you for the call nonetheless, Melanie. Great to hear from you. Uh, let's go back to the uh, YouTube live chat. And you betcha, I love these handles, you betcha, asks, um, how do I think people will look at the economic shutdown response to COVID in 50 or 100 years from now? Uh, I don't think it's going to take 50 or 100 years for us to come to the conclusion that it it might possibly be one of the biggest mistakes we've ever made. However, uh, that's what I would have said up to a couple of um, days ago. And then we had these incredible job numbers that came out of the United States, if they're to be believed. Uh, you know, sometimes the Labor Department can um, can play uh, play games with the numbers. They can game the numbers. But the job numbers for May, two and a half million jobs in the United States created, it's it's almost unimaginable. Um, if that trend continues, then this may be the shortest recession in history. Uh, if it doesn't, uh, and it, it was a blip, uh, and there is a prolonged, and, it, and we've done some long-term structural damage to the economy, then I would say uh, it, it, may, it may prove to be one of the greatest mistakes we've ever made. 
and I've I've said this since mid March, late March, when I was firing off letters to MPPs and anyone who would listen, that it was time to uh, think about an exit strategy and form an economic task force and figure out again back in March how can we start at that time how can we start to open up the economy and my my rationale was if so-called essential services remember the mail was still getting delivered the banks were still open drug stores were still open grocery stores were still opening they were figuring out they had figured out how to mitigate risk how to protect their their employees how to protect customers if they could figure it out most businesses could figure it out and um i was in favor at that point of of figuring it out and and opening things up uh because i have yet to see any solid data to suggest that a widespread quarantine versus a centralized quarantine centralized meaning you you protect the most vulnerable okay so you do maybe for a time you close down schools you limit travel that's a centralized quarantine these have been historically uh, demonstrated to work but a widespread quarantine, this self-inflicted wound, this self-induced coma that we've placed ourselves in, um, it's, I don't have to, to prove that a, uh, a widespread quarantine doesn't work. It's up, to, it's up to the scientists to prove that it does work. And I have yet to see any modeling or data to suggest that it does work. And so time will tell in the next few months, if the job numbers continue to be good, then I think we have dodged a bullet here. Uh, If it's a blip and there is long-term structural damage that could last a decade, and I've heard some doom and gloom types say that, I hope they're wrong, uh, then we will regret it almost immediately, I think. It won't take 50 to 100 years. Uh, let's see. Uh, Weiwei Anella asks, should Trump fire Mark Esper for defiance of orders and sedition? Oh, this this has to do, I, I'm guessing, with um, Esper and uh, I, I think Pompeo also were in on the discussion, if I'm not mistaken, why, why at, at, at a certain point, Trump was thinking about bringing in the army like the 101st Airborne and so forth. Uh, there were certain states that uh, refused to call in the National Guard, and uh, and apparently Trump had suggested this, and he was basically talked in off the ledge, as it were, uh, by, uh, by his defense secretary. Uh, if that's what you're referring to, that's not sedition. Uh, that's the kind of discussions that, that um, you know, presidents have in cabinet. Uh, and they have to... You know, they have to take their advice or heed their advice or ignore their advice. But obviously he heeded their advice. But if there's something else there that I missed, please tell me. Um, I know his former defense secretary, Mattis, is certainly sowing the seeds of of division. That's kind of unprecedented. There's an awful lot of that happening during the Trump administration. 
former advisors, former cabinet members. Uh, remember, you, you serve at the pleasure of the president and the president can hire and fire as he sees fit. And the idea that, you know, once you're on the outside and, and you have a, an axe to grind that you're going to start uh, uh, criticizing and running to the media and telling tales out of school, as it were, that's not that's not on. That's not uh, uh, the way it should be done. Uh, Tom from Long Island. Welcome. How are you, my friend? Richard, I'm okay. Can you hear me? I can. Great. So, um, you know, being down here on Long Island, just outside of New York City, it, it, it just amazes me how fast we have pivoted from being, you know, COVID-19 to now the protest. And that is what you see every night on the news down here. And, and even, you know, a week ago, I was watching people break into Herald Square Macy's, which is, you know, just the middle of Manhattan, right? Just, just looting and all of that, all of that going on. And, and I watch this and I hear people say, you know, defund the police, right? And, and, and I'm open-minded. I listen to your show, I'm open-minded, of course. But I struggle to understand what people mean by defund the police. I read a little bit, and, and I can understand maybe reallocating some funds to some different things. But today I read in, you know, in Minneapolis where they're literally trying to abolish the police. And I just, are we just going so fast with this that we're not really thinking what we're doing? Like, I don't understand completely abolishing the police. Do you? Nor do I. No. No, I know that in Minneapolis, the, um, the city council there uh, said that they are talking about defunding and dismantling. Uh, and I, I, like you, I don't know what that means either. Exactly. Um, if they want to reallocate, I'm all for that because we have asked here in Canada as well. Uh, and I'm sure in many forces in the United States, police forces, we've asked the police to do too many things. Uh, they're not, they're not just, uh, investigating homicides anymore. Now they are, if there's a, um, uh, someone went with, with with mental health issues in the middle of the street, uh, yelling and screaming and causing a disturbance. We call the police. Is the police officer best suited for that role? Maybe not. Maybe it's time to rethink that because, unfortunately, that often ends tragically, as we as we've as we've seen recently in, in New Brunswick. Uh, when when um, I don't know, there's a dog on the loose. Uh, we call the police. Uh, used to be, you know, when, when someone was truant from school, we called the police. Uh, it, we need to redefine what police do. If that means dismantling it or reinventing it, then that's fine. Uh, I think that there are police forces that have, uh, bloated budgets, a lot of money paid in, in, um, you know, uh, um, overtime, um, when they're asked to, uh, I guess, you know, babysit a construction site or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of money spent in overtime. 
I see a lot of resources um, in in traffic control and uh, writing tickets for you know people trying to get their kids to soccer practice on time. I, I think we could we could reinvest and reallocate funds. Uh, if that means a partial defund, where appropriate, maybe reinvent police. I think that's what we need to do. Thank you for the call. Back with more of your calls in a moment. The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. And I am coming to you from my little studio beneath the stairs here in Old Thornhill, just north of Toronto. And uh, we are in the the midst of open lines. Uh, Solar Warden, I love that name. Solar Warden, I think, are you new to the uh, the YouTube chat? I haven't heard Solar Warden, uh, that name before. Uh, Wants to know my take on the bricks that were conveniently left at major protest sites. Coincidence, Solar Warden asks his or her, I'm not sure if Solar Warden is a him or a her. My gut says no way. Uh, well, I was um, I was watching um, an interesting posting on Facebook today uh, here in Toronto. Uh, and a number of, um, or a gentleman had video, was videotaping several police officers piling rocks on the sidewalk. And uh, he confronted them. He was holding his camera and he confronted them. He said, what are you doing? Why are you leaving rocks there on the sidewalk? It's tempting for, for, for demonstrators or protesters to pick those rocks up and throw it. What's going on here? And the police explained to this uh, gentleman that they were going through the, um, the gardens and so forth that lined the streets. And... Um, they were instructed to remove any such objects, pile them on the sidewalk, at which point they would call the city and they would come by and pick them up. Now, the man holding the camera wasn't buying that. He said, now, wait a second. I work for the city. That's not your responsibility, which certainly was my first thought. Why are there police picking up stones out of gardens and, and large rocks and piling them on the sidewalk? It did, at first blush, look very, very suspicious. I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why are the police leaving these stones? Uh, and then what happened was the uh, the gentleman, after he confronted the police in a respectful way, uh, he, um, he he got some of uh, his other protesters, or they looked like protesters. They had some rolled up, looked like signage. Uh, strapped across their back and they they picked up the stones and um, proceeded them to place them in garbage bins so uh, then I was reading an an article uh, online a CBC article online and it turns out the CBC saw the same Facebook post they called the police and the police reiterated that yes the police uh, the foot patrol were instructed to, to find rocks along the, um, the protest routes, make piles, call the city in, and have those rocks hauled away. So 
Did it look suspicious at first? Yes. Does the explanation make sense? Sort of. It is bizarre to me that you would have police take on that role. Just a few minutes ago, I was talking about how uh, rather than, you know, defund and dismantle our police, we we need to reinvent them uh, and and get them back to serious police work. Uh, could they not have had some other city workers combing the gardens and so forth, looking for rocks and piling them into trucks and driving away? It did seem odd. However, I have to say that I uh, at this point, I accept the explanation from the police department. Um, now, regarding bricks, there were a number of pallets of bricks in and around Toronto. Those were also investigated, and most of those, from what I understand, were found at construction sites where you would expect to find pallets of bricks. In the United States, however, uh, in in Kansas City, for uh, in in uh, an entertainment district of Kansas City called Westport, where I've been, uh, the police there were reporting that there were pallets of bricks left in places where they ought not to have been. They weren't construction sites. Uh, so, to my mind, those were there placed there conveniently by uh, whether it was Antifa or some other anarchist group. I don't know, but that that is going on. Where it was going on, as I say, things seem to have settled down. Um, in the United States, those bricks, by and large, not an accident. There is certainly, there was evidence of some underlying coordination going on. Whether it's Antifa, uh, plus some other anarchist groups, I suspect yes. But... We are being promised by the Department of Justice and the FBI that there is evidence and it's forthcoming. We shall see. Uh, another Melanie from Toronto wants to talk about the protest. Hello, Melanie. Hi, Welcome. Hi. It was interesting to hear my name. I used to never hear my name when I was younger. Nobody had that name. So uh, I'd like to say that very nice name. But anyways, <laughs> to, to be serious, thank you for taking my call. Um, if you give me just a moment to gather my thoughts. Um, the police have known, and the government and the city have known, and the police board meeting have known, which I've attended the police board meetings. And if you go into the police board meetings, I don't know if you've ever been there on College Street when they hold them once a month. The room is designed in such a way that when, let's say, there's a deputation made by a, a civilian or someone who is mistreated by the police, you only have the camera showing the deputant who's uh, speaking, but you don't see the reaction of the uh, police board members. And we've watched them multiple times, and there is so little interest. Most of them are on their cell phones, uh, or they're uh, laughing to each other, or they're reading papers or documents. Rarely do they get it. It's like they're going through the motions, but not listening. And there were so many passionate speeches by a man who was in the Canadian Army, a black man who was speaking of how him and his son are being treated. I was watching them. My friends, we were stunned at, at, at the dis, uh, disrespect that was shown. They didn't want to hear it. But you know who this harms the most? These protests and all these things? It's harming. When the police don't do their job, that what they are doing is they're disrespecting their own good police officers, the ones that laid their lives down for us, who protected us. Of course. Who were there of course. to take the bullet for, for other people. 
And so when the police chief and our police board and our mayor do nothing to change that, and I've spoken at the police board meetings where they covered up for my neighbor, a police officer, went to court, there was a state of... Right, I don't want, I know you spoke about that the last week and, and, yes, and many no, other times before. I don't want to get into your yeah. case, but well, point taken, Melanie, and I, we have to make obviously, again, a distinction between police board members who are appointees and the, uh, you know, the, the cop on the beat. Um, and you know, to me, and I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you that there isn't racism. There are racists in Canada. Do I think that this is uh, a racist country, that we are defined by our racism, or that the United States uh, is defined by its racism, that racism is in its DNA, as President Obama once said? No, I don't think that. Having said that, I'm not going to tell someone of whatever color what their experience has been and how they should feel and whether or not they have been um, uh, uh, hurt or or uh, been the the victim of racism. I, I would never do that. Of course, there are racists uh, in in every every corner, every walk of of, of life. Uh, but we are not defined by our racism, and the police department, I do not believe, uh, are defined by their racism. To me, um, and it, the other thing is, in the absence of of crime stats um, based on race, it's it's difficult. We're kind of working blind here. They do collect them, for example, in Toronto, but it's very difficult to get them. Um, they know what the crime stats are, but we don't. And so it's difficult to talk about a problem if you don't have the data available. Uh, so what, you're en- what you end up talking about um, – it's anecdotal and it's it's based on a lot of emotion and and uh, much of it justified of course but i think it would be helpful if we had crime stats i know they do break it down and they publish crime stats based on neighborhoods and and from that you can make maybe certain inferences uh and i and they they publish crime stats uh, on race they gather them at the um uh, the Department of Justice and the Washington Post, for example, has a crime data uh, database based on race. And the, the Toronto police feel that that would lead to racism if they were to publish those stats. I don't think so. I think if there are, there is trouble in a, in a community, you need to have the data in order to address it. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're working blindly here. Uh, we will uh, we'll pick up on that point, and also I will entertain more of your calls, questions, and comments when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Um... I just wanted to pick up on some points I, I mentioned before the break. I was talking about, I think, why it would be helpful to have crime stats ba- broken down along racial lines um, so that we can figure out, for example, uh, we're, we're told that uh, in in Toronto, uh, uh, blacks are being shot by police 
in a in a disproportionate manner. Well, how do we know uh, disproportionate that it is disproportionate? We we don't know because we don't have the stats, or at least they're not published. How many interactions uh, police have with with blacks, uh, and how many of those obviously end tragically? So you know what I'm saying here. We need we need data in order to say or to figure out what's going on here. Now that's quite apart from the fact that we have some police brutality that's happening. Uh, if it happens once, that's once once too many. And and is that racial? Uh, or is that just a bad seed? You know, there are. I've talked a lot about on uh, about psychopaths on this program, and how I feel that psychopaths really run this world. the The rules of the game are are geared in favor of the psychopath, and you find psychopaths in every facet of society. Certainly, there are uh, psychopaths in politics. Uh, there are psychopaths who run the local PTA. There are psychopaths on the police department. Now, a psychopath on the PTA is going to be an incredible uh, nuisance. Uh, they're going to make life miserable for some people. But a psychopath that has a baton or a, fi- a, a taser or a police cruiser or a service revolver or a shotgun, obviously, uh, that's a bad mix. So, yes, there are psychopaths that somehow uh, manage to circumvent the vetting process and the psychological profiles because that's what psychopaths are able to do. They're psychopathic. They're, they, they, they have sociopathic tendencies, and they're able to present well. So they get past the vetting process, and they end up on the police force. And uh, they cause carnage and tragedy and grief. And they give police in general a bad name. But I truly believe that if there is a government agency to whom black lives matter, it is the police. So, again, in the United States, back in the in the mid 90s, I was not a a huge fan of President Clinton. But and I'm not sure how much of this had to do with with Bill Clinton. Maybe he gets all of the uh, accolades. Maybe he doesn't get any of the credit. But. What happened in the mid-90s was there was this revolution in proactive policing uh, in the inner cities. Greater police presence, more cops on the beat, more community policing. And the result was that the inner city murder rate dropped significantly. Tens of thousands of lives were saved. Black lives. And now that's all at risk because... Police are withdrawing from the inner cities. They're told to stand down. And that's not going to end well. Because by and large, the greatest risk to blacks living in inner cities in the United States are not cops. It's crime. Uh, let's see. Uh, Art Bissid. I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly. Art Bissid. Uh, do you know about the arrest in Vancouver of Dan Dix from Press for Truth? Is standing up for what you believe in a sea of opponents really disturbing the peace? I, don't, I, I know Dan. I've, I, I've met Dan a number of occasions. 
uh, I, and I was not aware that he was arrested. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm not sure what the circumstances are um, for his arrest. Is standing up for what you believe in a sea of opponents really disturbing the peace? Um, well, sometimes the police have to make a quick judgment call. Sometimes it's for the protection of the person as well who is supposedly disturbing the peace. Of course, we had this um, young man who showed up at, I believe it was at Nathan Phillips Square, in blackface. He was sort of mimicking our uh, our prime minister. Not an appropriate venue. There's never an appropriate venue. Uh, but of all times and places, the police uh, quickly got that, that uh, young man out of there. Uh, we later learned, I believe, that he suffered from some mental illness and he actually was not aware entirely of what he was doing. He somehow, in his mind, he thought he was helping. Don't ask me how. Um, however, so the, the police got him out of there. I think originally he was arrested. Uh, and it's, it's a good thing they got him out of there. It could have, end tra- it could have ended tragically. So I don't know the particulars of, of what happened to Dan Dix. Uh, I'll look into that. Um, standing up for what he believes in a sea of opponents not sure exactly what what that means. Uh, let's see, Trish. Oh, Trish is in Vancouver. She wants to talk about UFOs. Trish, hold on. I will get to you right after this. 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. If you enjoy this radio program, The Conspiracy Show, I think you'll enjoy my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. And new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com where you can subscribe and listen. Again, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, And you can also become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member and uh, for a mere $1.99 a month you get access to my entire back catalog uh, which is now around 370 episodes. Uh, you get access to those, plus two brand-new commercial-free bonus episodes every month. So go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and then click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Uh, someone before the break was asking about uh, documentary filmmaker Dan Dix, and um, uh, I know Dan a little bit. Um, I haven't really talked to him since he moved out to Vancouver, uh, but he's uh, produced – I think he's done some pretty interesting work. He's um, considered an, an investigative journalist and a documentary filmmaker. And uh, someone asked if I knew he had been arrested. And I'm just reading uh, here on the Georgia Strait online uh, version of their paper. Uh, critic of COVID-19 distancing and George Floyd Memorial, Dan Dix, out of jail after being arrested in Vancouver. And um, – uh, let's see, that was June the 5th. So a couple of days ago, he was arrested. Um, let's see, he um, was praising a small group of demonstrators who gathered outside Vancouver City Hall to protest COVID-19-induced lockdown orders. 
And it says here he's upset some civil rights activists by condemning a memorial for George Floyd, uh, the 46-year-old African-American who died last month at the hands of Minneapolis police. Uh, Dan Dix thinks that if people can show up for events honoring Floyd, others should be allowed to attend funerals of their loved ones. Well, I agree 100%. As I mentioned earlier, all logic, all rationale for continuing the quarantine after the protests has gone out the window. Um, so he, he certainly shouldn't have been arrested for that. And I, I, I'll be honest, I was rather disappointed that our premier, uh, Doug Ford, uh, referred to uh, protesters who showed up at Queen's Park demanding an end to the lockdown as a bunch of yahoos, I think was the term he used. Uh, and, and here we are now with um, uh, protesters who, again, uh, did a wonderful job. I think the uh, the chief of police uh, referred to them as ambassadors of peace. I would concur. I was um, absolutely delighted with uh, how the protests and the demonstrations uh, went here in Toronto. But if that is allowed, if thousands of people uh, could go out and, and grieve for George Floyd and show support for his family, then that's fine. But you cannot have any credibility and say that you can do this, but you can't do the same thing over here. It makes no sense. There's no logic behind that. So uh, Dan Dix obviously took umbrage with that. And uh, he was arrested at a large anti-racism rally at Jack Poole Plaza after live streaming the event for more than three hours. And some of those attending the demonstration didn't appreciate him being there. Uh, so it sounds like perhaps he may have been taken away maybe for his own protection, although he was arrested. I don't know if he did any time in jail. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a conviction there. I'll tell you one thing. I'd like to know where all our various civil liberties associations are at this point. Um, because if if I were fined uh, for gathering at some place and not practicing social distancing, you know what my defense would be? A picture of our prime minister taking a knee amidst thousands of protesters not practicing social distancing. I think that's all the defense you need. So I hope uh, Dan Dix uh, gets a, um, a lawyer who's, who's going to work uh, for free, pro bono. I hope someone from the British Columbia Civil Rights or Civil Liberties Association, I don't know what they have out there, but they, they need to step up because that's not right. Our liberties have been trampled upon. There's no question about it. And we acquiesce. We say, all right, we'll put our liberty, liberties temporarily on the shelf over here for the greater good. But that's been taken advantage of quite clearly. And we've been pushed around and we've been, in some cases, we've been fed a pile of manure. And the story keeps changing. Masks don't help. Wear masks. Wear masks if you want to. You must wear a mask. 
uh, let's hope Dan Dix gets out of jail. Or no, he is out of jail. But let's see. Let's hope he uh, he gets some justice because that's that's not right. Based on what I'm I'm reading here, based on this article, uh, I wanted to go back to my point about um, police. Oh, we need to get to Trish. I'm sorry, uh, Trish has been holding on. Uh, Trish in Vancouver. Hi. Did she hang up? Um, oh, there you are. Hi, Trish. Here I am. Here I am. Okay. Um, way back, this is so off topic from what you've been discussing, but I just want to say, um, way back in 2016, um, it was July 15th, I was in my front yard, <clears throat> and I had gotten home from work, and I decided I was going to preen up the garden a little bit and get some of the deadheads off, and... Um, I finished doing that, and I came around the corner of the house, and um, something caught my eye. I don't know. It was. And I look up in the sky, and I saw a black triangle. And it was up there, but it wasn't too far. And um, I thought, oh, somebody's flying a kite? And then I looked at it a little closer, and I thought, well, no, it's not shiny because it's not flipping around. It's sort of steady. And it's matte black, and it turned into a wedge, and it just gone. And I, I'm looking around, and nobody's there to see it. Of course, I, you know, so I got on the phone with my brother, and I said, "You're not going to believe this, but I, I just saw this, and I just don't know what to make of it." And he was so brilliant. He said, "Well, maybe it's just the time travelers checking in on us." <laughs> we had a little bit of a laugh, you know. And but um, you know, that was the year Trump was elected. And I think, you know, the higher intelligence which I do believe is out there and is quite capable of reviewing us and rebuking us and setting us straight, but it, it letting us have our own path. I mean, is this the kind of world we will it ourselves to each other? You know, the latest behavior it would just say, Look guys, if we're in the middle of one crisis and and this horrible thing happens. Don't you think that maybe you're being mesmerized a little and, and instigated into absolute chaos because because governance, governance doesn't want to take responsibility for our civil liberties and deliver us our services properly? Instead, they want to pick our pockets and, and just make us confused and, and live off our adrenaline of hurt. And, and you know, it just... Um, I just think, you know, under the War Act, uh, that was when we had income tax. Now, you know, the, it's it's perpetual war, so they can have perpetual tax. And, and then they're sitting high on the hog on boats. It just, it really bothers me that that the state in the United States, the governance there, would, would use people's better angels against the people. Well, I'm not sure who's behind promoting the violence that un- unfortunately erased a lot of the good that should have come out of the unfortunate demise of, uh, of George Floyd. That was hijacked in some instances by, I believe, anarchists and r- radical groups like Antifa. Uh, and, and I think of retired police captain David Dorn. An African-American, 77 years old, shot dead for trying to stop some looters. And all of the businesses that were destroyed and other innocent lives that were killed during the protests, during the riots in the United States. If that's the legacy, then it was a complete failure. 
the peaceful protests that we saw up here, that's what we need to see more of. Uh, thank you for the call and uh, for all of your calls tonight. Great speaking with you all. I'll be back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home or at least up the stairs. Good night. <laughs>